Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Electric Leftovers. My name is Jason. This is episode... Crap, who even knows? 205? I think. That sounds right. How are you doing this week? I hope you are having a good week. As per usual, we've got some games to talk about, some news to talk about, and uh, all that good stuff. And I had just noticed that I did not have our soundtrack for the week available, so I'm trying to get on that real quick. Uh, not important. We don't care. What we do care about is the new stuff. And since last we spoke, quick look over at the calendar, since I have a physical one again, uh, we have some new Vagrant Story and Final Fantasy VII from me. And that's really it over at the site. Uh, Scarlet did some stuff last week, hadn't seen anything new yet. Oh, and I just noticed Goonies 2 is still showing up as now playing. I need to fix that. Uh, we also have some new tra- soundtracks, excuse me, including Quake and Quake 2, and a couple others as well. And, of course, the 365 days of the Super Nintendo is still going on and going strong. And if you're not following along, well, you're, I mean, that's your right, I suppose. You don't have to, but maybe you should. Um, anything else to talk about? Nope, don't think so. Let's just move on. Ain't got time to fool around today. Red Falcon had devoured a portion of this planet, and now the vile Black Viper has come from deep space for seconds. But he hasn't come alone. The Vipers transported a battalion of Battletron tanks, stealth subs, laser cannons, and annihilating androids. And he seized a secret naval lab to develop a new breed of supreme alien being. So, Scorpion stands alone against biological experiments gone bad like towering tarantulas and venomous vesti flies his mission level the lab before viper transforms earth into an alien nation 
Although he may be a solo commando, Scorpion has an array of devastating weapons at his disposal like an M90 shell shocker, fire phaser, and homing blaster. But it will take more than sheer firepower to survive five new lethal levels of naval ports, forests, caverns, and a laboratory filled with genetic mutants. You've got a snowball's chance in Haiti of making it, but that's the way Scorpion likes it. You're up against a cold-blooded snake of an enemy. And this is Operation C, developed by Konami, published by Ultra, released in 1991. It's one of them there Konami games for the Game Boy. And uh, Scorpion may like it, having a snowball's chance in Haiti. But please, H-E double hockey sticks. Let's not get too crass. Uh, this was an old Let's Play that I thought I had lost forever and ever and ever ago uh, when my buddy Matt, who we did the Still in Beta podcast with, came by and we played a bunch of Contra games. This was one of them. I think he was there for this. Um, it's pretty good. It's not, it's not terrible. It's not great. I, I don't think anybody ever says, oh, well, top five best Contra games. Sure, Operation C is going to be in there. But you know what? It's all right. Well, Ninja Gaiden 3, you know what, real quick, real quick, before we even start, before we even start, let's see what we're up against here. Ninja Gaiden 1, uh, according to GameFAQs, uh, reviewers, viewers, users, raiders, I don't know, gave it a 3.97 out of 5. 1,200 volts, 3.97. Ninja Gaiden 2, 700 people, gave it a 4 out of 5. Ninja Gaiden 3, 400 people gave it a 3.8, almost as good as the first game, they say, uh, in total. Let's see what some individuals say. Pardon me. Anybody we know? Well, that one. Um, there's not a lot to pick from. So, we've got two full reviews here today, and uh, 
they're not super long, so let's just dig in. Starting with one from a regular, it's not as bad as I first thought, but in Ninja Gaiden 3, the Ancient Ship of Doom review by Psycho Penguin. Doesn't, does that not just sound like the most, what I did on my summer vacation? An essay by Jason from Low Bias Game. It kind of does, doesn't it? Anyway. Ever wonder why the Ninja Gaiden series died? There's probably a few reasons for it, mainly company related, but Ninja Gaiden 3 certainly did not help the cause. It's the worst of the three Ninja Gaidens by far, as Tecmo tried out these new ideas that just were not suitable for Ninja Gaiden games, and therefore, the series bombed. It's still not a horrible game, however, and I enjoyed it for the most part. Just don't expect a high-quality Ninja Gaiden game. Storyline? In a Ninja Gaiden game? Surely you jest! The graphics are decent. Wait, there is a storyline? Oh yeah, those annoying little scenes in between stages. Those are story scenes? Innovative? What? Wow. Anyways, Ryu tells Irene to kill herself, but it turns out that it wasn't Ryu and blah blah, this is the worst possible storyline Tecmo could have implemented in this game. The first two were awesome and I got into them. With this, I just wanted the story to be over with. It barely made any sense, but at least it had some sort of continuity. That helps. I love people who write like this. Now, where was I? Like, like they're having a conversation with you. Oh yeah. The graphics are decent, but I don't like them as much as I did the original two. The backgrounds are creatively designed, I'll give them that much. I actually loved the backgrounds as they were pretty innovative for the time. The moving background of the desert in stage two was definitely a sight to behold back in the day. So the backgrounds are pretty strong, but sadly they also made the action on screen hard to see at times. For instance, in stage two two, the background is this fiery underground cave. Sure, it looks nice. But then you'll start to realize you can't see what the hell's going on at times doing to the fact it keeps flashing back and forth and does not do a very good job at blending in with the enemies at all. And speaking of enemy designs, boy did they take a backseat in this game. They don't look nearly as good as they used to. Tecmo tried for some innovative enemy designs and failed for the most part. The alien creatures in the first stage lack detail. The later enemies look like retarded zombies, especially the ninja characters who look even worse than they did in the original Ninja Gaiden. Now, I love the music in Ninja Gaiden 3, however. I really do. It has this quirky sound to it that blends in perfectly with each stage. When some stages try to convey a sense of urgency, an upbeat, fast beat song plays. And when the stage tries to get off a feeling of sadness or slowness, a melodramatic theme plays. It's really good, and I love how the game has this perfect blend of music. The boss themes are generally good, although a tad disappointing. Plus, the music is just plain old good to listen to, but I've come to expect that from a Ninja Gaiden game by now. It's too bad the sound effects aren't as good, but you can't have everything, I guess. The music is just too good to have to worry about the limited amount of sound effects anyways. Ninja Gaiden 3 has gotten a bad rap based off gameplay, and I can sort of see why, but when you get into the game you realize it's still just as fun as the other games. You still get the power-ups, you still go from a challenging stage to a challenging stage, you still get to climb on vines and swing around and all that fun stuff. It's all here. So why is Ninja Gaiden 3 worse than Ninja Gaiden 2? For one, the new power-ups suck for the most part. I like the Super Sword, which now gives you the power to have a longer and more powerful sword, which definitely helps, but I don't like Up and Down or the Fire Wheel. They don't add much to the game, and I really miss the clones from Ninja Gaiden 2. Why Tecmo took them out is a mystery that remains with me to this day.
Also, the game now has a futuristic feel to it for whatever reason. Ryu battles alien creatures in the first stage for Christ's sakes, with no explanation, and then from there on, the game goes back and forth between regular enemies and aliens without rhyme or reason, and again, there's no reason for this. But, perhaps the most damning reason why Ninja Gaiden 3 is not as good as the others is because of the challenge. Now, you know... We all know Ninja Gaiden games are hard, brutally hard. Throw the controller against the wall numerous times during playing session hard. And Ninja Gaiden 3 is just as hard. But, no, it's not challenging because you have to make precision jumps or the enemies are so hard. It's challenging because the enemies hit you for an extraordinary amount of damage. Then the game throws waves of enemies at you and expects you to survive. If you survive that, they throw the old classic enemy next to the pit with birds flying at you. It's truly madness. Fortunately, the steep challenge has nothing to do with the controls, which are some of the best the NES has to offer. During your special, doing your special moves as a breeze, precision jumping's painfulness has nothing to do with the smoothness you'll be controlling them at, and you can jump in the air longer now. The controls are truly good, which is a must for a game like this, which relies so much on jumping and slashing. The game has 20 levels, so you'll be playing it for a while, but with no password or save feature, you'll soon grow tired of growing through all the levels, especially with the lack of unlimited continues, which is another way Tecmo screwed up with the challenge. I'd actually prefer to play the Japanese version of the game or the Ninja Gaiden Trilogy version, even with the dumbed-down music, simply because I don't have to waste time going through 10 levels to get back to where I was before. Ninja Gaiden 3 really missed the boat. It could have been a truly great and revolutionary series that people would have been sad to see go. With this decidedly disappointing entry, the series got less fans. I like the game enough to give it a 7, but make no mistake, this is not a great game. And he gave it a 3.5 out of 10. And you know what? He's, he's right. Before, though, let's jump... Let me... Let's read the other one, and then we'll kind of approach it as a whole. But let me add an addendum here to to the review. Think about this, right, as we're, as we're going through this. Ninja Gaiden 3, the ancient ship of doom, was on the NES. It was on the Ninja Gaiden trilogy for the Super Nintendo, but it only had one other release. And would you like to know what that was for? The Atari Lynx the Atari's version of the Game Gear got this game. Okay. Then I noticed there was a new director. Curse you, Moriyama-san. Or Moriyama-san? I don't know. Uh, a review by I Am For It Is. Reviewed on Jan uh, July 25th, 2005. After having played Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2, I was expecting something special from the third installment. Mega Man 3, Super Mario 3, Castlevania 3, all great games. So my question is, what happened? Ninja Gaiden 3 is marred by problems from the second you switch the power on. The jarring bass note that instantly plays is symbolic of the whirlwind rush job that bears the horrible, awful subtitle, The Ancient Ship of Doom. Durr. Story, 1 out of 10. Ninja Gaiden 1 and 2 may have been a bit cheesy in terms of their plotline, but they shined when it came to the execution. They had interesting introductions that set the tone for the rest of the game. Ninja Gaiden 3 does have that going for it, but it simul similar but the similarity excuse me, ends there. 
From the time you beat the first boss, the clunky dialogue, all caps are used in places for dramatic effect, and it seems very cartoony and chintzy. Moronic music, overstylized artwork, the lack of a backdrop for most of the scenes, and the Formula One race car pacing will instantly put you off your sushi. The first four cinemas are basically Ryu talking to somebody who says, go to Castle Rock Fortress. They may as well have made cinemas about Ryu finding signs that say, this way. You can't call that a story. To make matters worse, once you get there, the characters start spouting some crap about subspace and interdimensional travel that just plain doesn't belong in a series whose tradition is about ninjutsu, revenge, and demon resurrection. To cap it all off, and without spoiling it too much, the ancient ship of Doom thing is just a blatant ripoff of Strider's ending, a theme which we'll return later in this review. The collapsing fortress at the end takes about 12 seconds to collapse compared to the apocalyptic collapses of the temples in the first two games. Cheap! Plus Ryu and Irene's dialogue at the end of some of the worst writing I have ever seen in a video game. The ancient ship sinks under its own weight. Graphics 5 out of 10. They're colorful and very detailed, but kind of ugly. Ryu thankfully looks almost exactly like he did in the first two games. Are we talking in-game Ryu or cutscene Ryu? Because cutscene Ryu looks like he's nine years old. He looks nothing like he did in the cutscenes. Um, looks like the first two games with the exception of his bandana blowing in the wind, even inside. Must be some powerful AC. He also has a different getting hit sprite, which looks more natural, as do the sprites for somersaults. The real problems are with the enemies and the backgrounds. You know, everything else. The enemies are not very diverse and lots of palette swapping is used. Add that to the fact that they don't look at all cool and you've got a boring bunch of bad guys. The bosses are no help either. It almost seems like they tried to do too much. And they're colored like children's breakfast cereal. As for the backgrounds, the lab in the first level doesn't look like a lab. It looks like a shopping mall. The desert doesn't look like a desert. The jungle doesn't look like a jungle. And who knows what the heck the rest of the levels are supposed to look like. But without question, they're downright ugly. Music 4 out of 10. Before I go on with this, there's an absolutely unacceptable flaw in the music for one of the stages. I forget which one. A sample that sounds like a really computerized flute? Ugh. That's the kind of crap that's in Skate or Die 2. The first two games had simple, atmospheric music that made you feel, well, like a ninja. And it suited the situation it was played in. This game tries to make you feel like a heavy metal guitarist, and it just doesn't work. The theme for the first level is kind of cool, but it's just too American in its throw as many notes as you can at them dunderheadedness. Later levels suffer the same fate, and the desert levels theme in particular sounds like the sadness I feel when I play this game. In addition, the music is reused far more often than in the previous two games, with almost everything being revisited before the end. As for the ending themes, Irene and Ryu from the second game can still get me misty-eyed to this day. The sickly sweet everything's okay love theme that plays at the end of this hack job leaves me cold, and the credits theme is no help either. I am a musician. One would hope I know what I'm talking about. That is him saying that. That is not me saying that. More on that later. Sound effects 7 out of 10, largely unchanged from Ninja Gaiden 2. This is good. There is one major flaw which has been mentioned in other reviews I've read. Ryu screams, ha, every single time he swings a sword. 
It was cool once, but you end up having to swing your sword about a million times, as one would expect, and it gets god-awful by the end. He'd have laryngitis by stage three. It's very cheesy and unrealistic, and it interferes with hearing the crappy music. Oh, and before I forget, the sword clanging against metal sound could have been less annoying. Gameplay 3 out of 10, distinctly less fun than the first two games in the series. Ryu seems to have been eating rice cake and drinking sake since NG2 because he take damage like an overfed, undertrained sissy. The idea of increasing the challenge is to find new ways to make the player think, not new ways to kill them more often. Not to mention the fact that the game seems to throw 10 times the enemies at you, especially in later levels. More enemies does not equal more challenge. Plus, they almost always try to interfere with jumps. Plus, plus, Ryu's range has been cut down to where without the sword power-up, also ripped from Strider, you need pinpoint accuracy to hit even the hugest of enemies. Plus, 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 Ryu's jumps are all floaty and weird. Quadruple plus, you have next to no invincibility when you get hit. Team Ninja was really out to screw the, screw the player in this installment. There's more, but you get the picture. One small consolation is that the flagging problem of NGI, which was toned down but not completely absent in NG2, is gone from this game. That is, you kill an enemy, they're gone for good. It doesn't save the gameplay, but it's there nonetheless. Interesting note, under program work, in the credits it lists nobody. No kidding. Overall, 2 out of 10, the story will make you cringe, the graphics are subpar, the music was botched, Ryu won't stop screaming, Tin Ninja, Team Ninja hates its fan base with passion. Just watch Ryu and Irene staring at the sunset at the end of Ninja Gaiden 2 and you'll be satisfied. Let's all try to pretend this game never happened. Rating 1. Terrible. So, they're both right, and I can't even say that they're both wrong. They... They're both right, even though they disagree on things. And let me explain what I mean. I think the graphics are good. I think graphically the game looks really good. I'll give them that. They both seem to like different aspects of the graphics. They both seem to dislike the same aspects, which I can agree with. I thought the enemy design of this game was really not very good. Uh, nobody mentions the graphics in the cutscenes, which is unfortunate because nobody looks the same. They, they really kind of, like, animated up for this, which, had they done that in the first two games, would have been fine. Like, the cutscenes in the first game look like Gogol 13. The cutscenes in the third game look like Clash at Demon Head, and that is not good. Uh, the music is not great. You heard it last time. That was the best this game had to offer, was those tracks. And I felt bad about putting them in the show. Uh, the the story is so dumb. It, like the CIA gets involved, and there's a, the ancient ship of doom is really an ancient ship. Like think Doctor Wily final boss fight kind of thing. There's aliens and interdimensional travel and just all of that stuff, and it just is so bad. Now the gameplay, however, the control is still. Ninja Gaiden control, it's still really good. The combat is not as fun. You do take more damage, there are more enemies, and there's one stage right at the end of the game where you just don't have enough time to get from beginning to end if you do it flawlessly. Absolutely flawlessly. I do not believe there's enough time to get from the beginning to the end. You have to die somewhere in the stage to restart at a checkpoint with enough time to finish the stage. Maybe I'm wrong. 
when I let's played the game, I did that stage over and over and over and over again, could never do it. Even save states could not do it. Is it terrible? No. Is it good? No. Its flaws, I think, do absolutely place it below average, though. Ladies and gentlemen, you've all heard of first world problems. Now it's time for a first world solution. When Victoria Amoth, 18, headed to college last fall, she couldn't take along her beloved cats, Tina and Louise. Wonder where they're from. And her dad, Troy Good, 43, couldn't keep them at his new apartment in San Jose, California. So, rather than abandon them, Good did what any doting daddy would do. He rented them an apartment of their own. Tina and Louise now live the good life in a 400-square-foot studio apartment behind the Willow Glen home of David Kalish, who told the San Jose Mercury News they're very quiet, obviously. The only problem is they stink up the place. Good pays $1,500 a month rent, and Kalish stops in every day to feed and play with the kitties. Sounds perfect. 400-square-foot studio apartment for $1,500. That is like one-third the size of my house for three times the price. That's why I like living where I live. Recurring themes. The first clue for police that Craig Weistar, 51, of Warren, Ohio, shouldn't have been driving was that he was behind the wheel of a car facing east in a westbound lane around 2 a.m. on December 4th. The second was the woman in the back seat who mouth helped me who mouthed, help me, excuse me, to officers as they questioned Y-Star, who had a bottle of vodka at his feet. When asked what he was doing, Y-Star replied, I'm Ubering, reported WFMJ-TV. Officers moved the passenger to their patrol car and administered a field sobriety test during which Y-Star admitted, I'm plastered. I'm talking hammered. I confess, I'm drunk. 
Ystar's Uber passenger got a ride home from the police, and he pleaded guilty on January 14th to driving under the influence. Most important, he will no longer be able to drive for ride-sharing apps. Meanwhile, Sunita Jiram, 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 something, 48 of Lexington, Kentucky, was arrested for driving under the influence at about 1 a.m. on January 13th, which she explained to police by saying that she did it for her son. According to the Lexington Herald leader, Jiram, 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 hmm, told police she had been drinking all day and, quote, drank a bunch of beer and got in the car to drive to teach her son a lesson. Her son, whose age was not reported, told police he had tried several times to get out of the BMW X1, quote, due to his mother's driving, but the doors were locked. Jiram was also charged with endangering the welfare of a minor. So her son was at least 17 or younger. In the category of straining logic, Jana Mash... Moshcats, 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 that's the one. Defense attorney suggested at her drunk driving hearing on January 8th in Berwick, Pennsylvania, that the results of her breath test might have been compromised by the fact that, according to the arresting officer, she was nibbling on her coat before the test was administered. Moshcat, 47, spelled, smelled of alcohol and spelled of alcohol as well, the officer testified, and failed a field sobriety test. Her blood alcohol level was tested at 0.151%, almost twice the legal limit. Uh, Attorney Travis Petty questioned the officer about his knowledge of the fabric content of her quote, coat, excuse me, reported the Bloomberg Press Enterprise, saying certain materials can alter the results of breath tests. The judge wasn't buying the argument and sent the case to trial. That was all recurring themes right there. Now on to some promises. On January 1st, Curtis Bruner filed a lawsuit claiming a Burger King in Wood Village, Oregon, reneged on its promise following a traumatic incident. On December 15th, KATU-TV reports Bruner was having lunch at the fast food joint that day when he became locked in the restroom. Employees provided him with a fly swatter to use to wrench the door open, but Bruner cut his hand on it, and the lawsuit says employees laughed at Bruner from the other side of the door. It wasn't until an hour later later when a locksmith arrived that he was set free. To make things right, said Bruner's attorney, Michael Fuller, the Burger King manager offered Bruner free food for the rest of his life at that restaurant, and followed through for a few weeks. But eventually, the regional manager stepped in and ended it. Bruner's suit seeks damages of $9,026.16, the price of one burger meal per week for the next 22 years. There are funny elements of the case, Fuller told KATU, but there's nothing funny about being locked in a dank bathroom for an hour. Next in stories of great arts and such names as we've never heard, Nambian artist Max Seidentopf, 27, has placed an installation of the ancient Namib Desert, consisting of six speakers attached to an MP3 player projecting the song Africa by Toto over and over and over for all eternity. The song, released in 1982, has enjoyed a resurgence of popularity and was one of Spotify's top throwback songs in 2018. Sidon Top told the BBC that solar batteries will keep the song playing forever. I wanted to play the song, the ultimate homage, and physically exhibit Africa in Africa. But I'm sure the harsh environment of the desert will devour the installation eventually. Certainly hope so. Nothing like going to Africa to see an art exhibit for Africa. When you're already in Africa. 
Inexplicable. <laughs> Breakfast. Around 7 a.m. on January 6th at a McDonald's in San Francisco, a man carried a dead raccoon into the restaurant and lay it on the table and then sat down with it. Restaurant patron Chris Brooks captured the spectacle on Facebook Live, recording as the man stood from his seat and walked around the restaurant talking with people. Another man, wearing gloves, then picked the raccoon up by its tail and took it outside to a garbage can, trailing blood on the floor. Fox News reported San Francisco police responded to the restaurant and released the unidentified raccoon owner after speaking with him. McDonald's closed the store immediately and reopened two hours later after sanitizing the dining room. One patron wrote on Twitter, I've seen worse than a dead raccoon at that same McDonald's. In stories of love gone wrong, it was love at first arrest for 27-year-old Ashley Keister of Natacoke, Pennsylvania, when she was apprehended by West Wyoming, Pennsylvania. That's... That's every place. West Wyoming, Pennsylvania. Uh, police officers last year. Ever since, Police Chief Curtis Nocera told the Associated Press, Keister has been harassing the officer with sexual messages on social media and will call 911 just to talk with him. On January 7th, police said Keister took her infatuation a step further using a large cigarette butt receptacle to break through the door of the West Wyoming Police Station around 1 a.m., where she rummaged through filing cabinets. Keister was caught on surveillance video and was charged with aggravated assault on a police officer, burglary, and vandalism. Holy crap. I, I guess, I mean, if you want to get the cops' attention, break the law more. I mean, I'm no expert, but kind of seems to be a good way to get their attention. Crime report. Isaias Garcia, 30, of Garland, Texas, pleaded guilty in a Bridgeport, Connecticut courtroom on January 10th to reduce charges stemming from a bizarre kidnapping scheme last April. Garcia had abducted a 21-year-old Fairfield man and was demanding $800 in ransom. The man's aunt and father reported that to the police on April 6th. Police told the aunt to request a photo to guarantee the young man was still alive, and when the photo arrived via text, ctpost.com reported, it showed the victim lying face down in a bathtub with a three-foot-long alligator on top of him, mouth open. In a subsequent phone call, the victim told his aunt, Titi, man, they got this alligator on me, and they saying that if no money is given, they're going to have him chewing on me. Police and the FBI were able to trace the phone calls to a hotel room where Garcia was apprehended. He faces a year in prison. How do you smuggle a three-foot-long alligator into a hotel bathroom? Just a question. Bright idea. In Williamson County, Texas, Sheriff Robert Chody, oh, that's unfortunate, has employed a new cadre of deputies to help deter speeding. Interestingly, they all look alike. The cardboard cutouts, <laughs> which Chody has placed along roads where speeding is common, depict one of the department's real-life deputies pointing a radar device at the roadway. It's a creative way to solve the problem without really working the problem, he told KTCBTV. Slow down, because you never know if it's the real deal or not, he warned. The sheriff said he tested the idea in school zones, and we didn't get one speeder. I mean, I guess it works, but aren't you supposed to be working the problem? Just a question.
Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining me this week for Electric Leftovers. I hope you did there enjoy their show there. Today, well, it was a good day. I think we learned a lot about ourselves and about uh, the people that we uh, spend time with and, and like to be around. So, I, you know, it's all we can really hope at the end of the day that we're going to be good to each other, right? Right. Everything that has happened happens every week on this show. And you can find all the old episodes of the show over at everybody's favorite website, lowbiasgaming.net, where you can find the old episodes of the show. And, of course, everything else that we talked about on the show. Isn't that great? Uh, You can, if you would be so inclined to support the show financially, you can do so over at patreon.com slash Jason's Groove Machine. Throw a buck in the tip jar a month. You know, it helps. It, It helps. Things are tight. It helps. If you can do it, awesome. If you can't, hey, no problem. I dig it. Uh, we are not in the uh, business of holding you in a bathtub with an alligator to try and get you to give me a dollar or I stop doing the show. Maybe I'm approaching this the wrong way. Maybe I need to say, give me a dollar or I'll keep doing the show. I'll think it over. Brought to you by...